Hey everyone, Zach here with a really quick note before we get started. I just wanted to let you know that tickets are now available to the Author Life Summit taking place September 10th and 11th in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. This conference is hosted by myself and Jay Thorne, and there are only 50 tickets total available. Yeah, 50. So you're going to want to jump on this now. We have great guest speakers, including Becca Syme, J.D. Barker, Mark Leslie Lefebvre, and so many more. So look for the link down in the show notes to purchase your ticket today, or you can visit theauthorlife.com slash summit 2022. Thanks and enjoy today's episode. This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving father to an awesome little girl. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow parent and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things we love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Jim, dude, we were talking beforehand. It was, uh, we were trying to figure out how long it's been since we talked. And I guess it's been since uh, right when the pandemic started. Yeah, a lot of things have happened since then. Just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I was, it's, I was fun. I was, uh, about, I guess it was about two weeks ago. Now I was hanging out over at honor quarters house and Ooh, um, it's your big name dropping. Look at I you. know, I know. So she, <laughs> she and I, we've, we've actually become really, really good friends. And, uh, and she, she lives in the Nashville area, but it's her house is about an hour drive from me. But, um, but it's just, it's, it, I, she's amazing. Like I, I love Honoré and her husband, Byron is really cool. Never met him, but she is a total powerhouse, man. She's she, amazing. Byron's really, Byron's awesome. He's a, he, he has a background in the music industry. Um, he, he was a man, uh, did music management and stuff like that. And he's doing some pretty neat things in the um, author space right now with that. No so, surprise. No yeah. surprise with her. <laughs> I actually paid her to consult for me a couple of years ago and it was like, the most powerful like 45 minutes i've had in years and uh she's just so enlightening she's just very good she yeah she's she's awesome and she's she's one of those she just like tells it how it is um and and doesn't really pull any punches so but um but anyway, she she had asked like uh you know she knew we did the your name came up and she was just like curious what you're up to and i was like well i'll let you know here in a couple of weeks because we're we're going to be talking for uh for creator dad so um, but uh, man, it's really, it's really good to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of catching up. Yeah, me too. Although I can't grow that beard, my friend, mine, <laughs> mine only gets to like the George Michael level from 1985. <laughs> like anything I try to do anything more than it, it just looks all blotchy. Like I'm on some kind of bad Buffalo is about to die or something. So it's, yeah it's, fun- yeah, it's funny, man. Like it's, uh, like I told you beforehand, I, I had, it was a lot longer and I, I decided to, to trim it up and it was just getting to be too much, but it's still really long, but, uh, and eventually it's going to be white and I'm going to have a job as Santa Claus during Christmas. So, um, <laughs> but that's, but that's okay. I'll, that'll be, that'll be a way for me to bring in a little extra money outside of the books. So, um, well, man, the first thing I wanted to ask you about and, um, was I, I know that, God, I don't even know how long ago it was now. Um, 
I know you kind of went through a whole cancer thing. Oh and, yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm a, from what Jay's told me, like, I mean, you're good on all that right now. Yeah. I'm in remission right now. Um, been about a year since I finished my last chemo treatment. Uh, the, the bottom line is this, I started getting digestive issues right about the time COVID started. Great and timing. I, yeah. So I thought it was COVID stress, right. You know, uh, fast forward, uh, I finally, my wife finally forced me to get to the colonoscopy in August of 2020. And uh, as I was waking up, the doctor said, that's not supposed to be there. And uh, <laughs> then I got the talk. They found a plum sized tumor in my lower colon uh, and said, that's got to come out. So 10 days later, I'm on an operating table at the Cleveland Clinic, 10 hour surgery. They cut it out of me six rounds of chemo and I am in remission and I got super, super lucky. Yeah. I'm alive today. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a uh, cancer is a scary thing, man. I mean, that actually, as we record this, my, my best friend's dad passed away last night from, mm. um, from liver cancer. And it, it, it was fast, man. Like it yep. was, and uh, it's, you know, it's you, you were very lucky, <laughs> you know, very, very lucky Yeah, that it had not spread. Right. And I, and I was under 50 at the time. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's crazy. And I know people that are gone through much worse. So I'm extremely lucky. I believe me, but here's one of the craziest, I'll, I'll tell you this one. Um, the, my kids at the time were 18 and 16 and, uh, I, I had to tell them that I had cancer, right. Cause can't, you know, I'm about to go to surgery like five days later. I'm like, I got to tell my kids we're, we're sitting around Friday night, watching a movie. And, and my wife and I planned on telling my kids the next day, the next morning. And my son turns to me, we're watching a Marvel movie or something. He goes, Hey dad, guess what? Black Panther just died. I go, what do you mean? He goes, the actor, black Panther. I go, you're kidding me. He just died. What, what happened? He goes, colon cancer. Oh. And I kind of looked over at my wife side eye and I was like, in about 12 hours, I got to tell my kids I'm, I have colon cancer. And that was, I'm laughing about it now, but that was tough, man. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, I can't even imagine, man. I mean, that's, oh, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine what, what that had to be like. I mean, um, yeah, that, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a glass fool guy, right? Like, yeah, you, know, you I, absolutely the, are. Yeah. PTSD, you know, look, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, there, the, we'll talk about the pandemic here, but you know, the PTSD, is a real legitimate thing that billions of people have now from the pandemic. But I believe in something called PTG post-traumatic growth. Okay. So not a lot of people, this is actually a real scientific thing that people talk about. Now you can look it up PTG and how do you take trauma and turn it into growth, right? For yourself, personally, spiritually, mentally, all those things. So that's, that's the way I tend to look at the world. Not everybody does, but that's how I do. Yeah. I mean, we, we all learn from, you know, we, we, we learn from mistakes, from failures, and we, you should learn too, from things that happen to you against your, against your will and against your control, which cancer is definitely one of those things, you know, sure. but I'm glad you're here, man. I'm really, uh, Thank you. obviously. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, man, like, so I don't even really know where to begin. So I know you're, 
you're all the way are you all the way out of the author space now i still own authormarketingclub.com but it's completely self-running and i don't really do anything with it so yeah i'm i'm 99.9 percent out of the space i'm actually i zach i actually threw away my entire career i threw away marketing i've written books on marketing and entrepreneurship i threw that all away over the pandemic after cancer after the pandemic I actually have a whole new uh, approach to life. I got a tattoo on my wrist. That I talks noticed about, that. I was going to ask yeah. you about that. It says mindset, lifestyle, impact, purpose, and family, right? So it's, that's awesome. it's you can't really see it, but it's on my wrist. It's there every day. And, and I changed, and that's the kind of story maybe we should talk about today is like, you know, I'm 50 years old. Uh, the pandemic hit. I was already starting to have a midlife crisis, right? And then the pandemic hit, the existentialism went through the roof for me and billions of other people. And then I got hit with colon cancer right in the middle of it. So talk about a hyper acceleration of, you know, do this, do that. Now I'm not rich, so I couldn't go buy a Ferrari. Uh, I, I couldn't, you know, I'm not good uh, looking enough to go out and get my 20 year old girlfriend, right? (laughs) Because I'm not rich besides my wife would kill me. So what did I do? I said, you know what? My life really, I'm very happy, very privileged to be where I'm at. But really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing is really affecting change, helping people think. Because when I really sat down and thought about it, my superpower is helping inspire people. Yeah, I agree with that. That's my superpower. Yeah. And, and, and what I've done is, is now is I focused on creating content, which I'm a dad creator for sure. I've focused on, and I've just embarked on the largest creation out of uh, context, uh, out of fish out of water project I've ever done, which we can talk about, but I'm definitely in a different space than I was two years ago. That's for sure. So I I definitely do want to talk about your, your big thing you're working on now, but I I do want to back up a little bit. So, um, so, I mean, you, you said, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you came from this background where you've done a bunch of stuff with marketing. You, you know, you were in the author space. You, you still have author marketing club, but it's not, you know, like you said, it's kind of just run itself now. Right. Um, so like, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like, I, I think that you, you do have this just power about you to influence and inspire people. Um, and, and I can see where you're coming from. where like using that to help people with marketing and stuff just probably felt like, okay, what am I really doing? <laughs> like, well, what am well, I? Ch- well, here's know? the, here's the thing, Zach, and you're exactly right. But here's the thing, you know, um, as a dad, as the breadwinner, right. You know, my oldest is 20. My youngest is 17. Like my job and every, you know, not every man does this, but my dad went to GM every day with his lunch pail yeah. and worked his second shift for 40 something years. My mom went to school every day as a school teacher in English every day for 40 something years. I grew up in Cleveland, Midwest work ethic, go to work, get your job done, take care of your family. Okay. So did I really enjoy doing all that marketing stuff? Did the author stuff really spark like this big purpose thing in my heart? Of course not, but not everybody can follow their dreams and live their passion, right? My job for the last 20 years was to take care of my family. And I did that. And I, and I did what I had to do just like every other uh, Joe who goes out there and takes that job they don't like, or does. fortunately for me, I did it on my own terms, my own things that I was sort of interested in, but ultimately 
the cancer, the pandemic, plus my kids getting to the age where they're getting kind of out of the house lessens yeah. that burden of me having to worry about it so much anymore, which allowed me to have this transformational experience to kind of move on. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I know the, um, how do your, how do your kids right now, 20 in college and 17, one more year of high school. Yeah. So you're, you're almost to the point where it's just right there. Be, I'm yeah. right. On, <laughs> I'm right. But I'm, I, I don't want it. Like I'm missing, I'm gonna miss it already. Like I got one year left with my boy and I'm like, this is going to suck. My wife and I are like, this is going to suck when they're not here yeah. all the time. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, even so my, younger. My, yeah. I mean, my little girl is, is she'll be eight in July. Yeah. So you, got and, time. and, you know, I'm, um, this is actually the first time I'm saying this publicly, but you know, we agreed we're going to catch up. And so I'm actually in the process of going through a separation and we begin to, Oh no, sorry. To it's, hear. it's okay, man. It's, it's, it's actually, um, it's for, it's, it's for the best. Um, I mean, we're still like best friends and everything, but, um, it's, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. But I'm, I'm saying that because like, I'm preparing for a time really soon where I'm going to have, uh, you know, 50, 50 custody and I'm not going to, see her every single day, you know, I'll still see her like three and a half days a week. But, um, so I say, I'll say like, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's like, going to be weird, right? It is. It's going to be and and and, you know, I grew up, um, my parents were still together. They've been married for like 40 years or whatever, longer than that, I think 43 years or something. So, um, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be an adjustment, but like I said, it's going to be for the best in the end. So, no. um, so yeah, I have a lot going on too. <laughs> so been, well, look, been... this is, you know, I mean, this is just life, you know, this yeah. is the things that, that we do. I mean, my wife 20 years ago, she made three times as much money as I did. And when she got pregnant with our first one, she said she wanted to be home and stay at home and be stay at home mom, mom. Yeah. And I said, great. So I went out and just figured out a way to make the money for the last 20 years. And I'm, I was happy to do it. Yeah. So let's talk about now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you kind of had this, this resurgence, you know, this reawakening, whatever you want to call it, I mean, where, oh, where was your head at? Like, where, where did you start? Like, what did you think you wanted to do at the time? Well, this was a journey, man. This, the, 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 if you've ever, if anyone ever here has had a, an illness, um, getting cancer was a huge mind fuck, like yeah. huge mind fuck, right? Like you know, the, 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 the days between the diagnosis and the surgery went by in a flash. One of the things I talk about in my new show, which we'll talk about is, is a monologue that I've written. It's called permission to die. And I tell this whole story about, um, it's an actually old Buddhist principle. It's called permission to die. So during the time from the diagnosis to surgery was a 10 day period. And as a man, one of the very first things you do as you're a man is you try to solve problems. That's what yeah. men do. So yeah. what was the problem? I'm possibly going to die. My wife, my children are going to be left. They're not going to have any, you know, way to, for money and everything. So how do I fix that problem before I get on an operating table and die? Well, my brain, and this was logical to me. I spent three days writing a document called, uh, honey, I'm dead. Now do this. And it was a Google doc. And it, it basically included every bank account, password, you know, everything about my business, my wife didn't know, yeah. right? Because I run my business. She's not involved in every single, 
And I basically laid it all off for. So close this, do this, do this. I called industry friends and said, Hey, if my wife asks for help, help her with this or take care of this, you know, like I made those phone calls. It was very difficult to make, but here's what happened. By the time I finished that document, I thought I was going to be in this like panic state, but all what happened is I just got really calm, Mm. really calm. And I got really content because I literally had given myself permission to die. So when I went to go to the Cleveland clinic for that surgery, and this is right in the middle of COVID, man, this is August, 2020, right? So it's just me and my wife. They're not letting other people in there. And they put me in the prep, the post, the pre-op table. And they said, I said goodbye to my wife. And they, they rolled me out down the hallway to these, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a, had a big surgery, but these uh, surgical rooms are very intimidating. They're white. They got five 75 inch television screens in them. And they put you up on this table. It's like an altar. It's like, it's intimidating, man. It's, it's no joke. It's not mash. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, but anyway, they pulled me in front of this um, surgical room and they left me in the hallway. Right. And, and it was shift change and all these students and doctors and nurses were going by and they forgot about me. I was sitting outside my surgical room and there was a clock in front of my thing and I'm laying there and I started watching the clock. 22 minutes went by. They forgot I was sitting out front. The people in the surgical room were prepping. They didn't know I was sitting out there. So I spent 22 minutes contemplating what was going to happen. Was I going to live? What was going to die? And I, and I remember every minute of that. Did I prepare enough? Um, did I do enough? Did I, you know, all those, I get emotional thinking about it. But then they pulled me in the room and, you know, minutes later I was out. Right. And 10 hours later I'm awake and fortunately I'm still alive. But that 10 day period between diagnosis and surgery was probably some of the most transformational mindset things that ever happened to me. Now, after that, talk about even taking it a step further. I mean, chemotherapy sucks. I only had to do six rounds of it. Some people I know who are doing in their seventies. Right. Um, but just the mindset of, uh, the combination of COVID cancer, chemo and all that over that period of time really, really messes with your head. And I took last year off completely from, I I still have a job. I still do some sales calls, but I was messed up in the head, man. I I couldn't walk, you know, there would be a minute I'd walk 10 feet and then break down in tears. Right. And cry for an hour. You know, it was but I came out of it. Right. Yeah. I, came out, I still have those days though. I still have them. I still have days where I'm like, wow, you know, I, I'm almost, almost dead, you know? So, but, but, but I think everybody went through that kind of trauma over the last couple of years. You know, if you didn't have cancer, you know, this is my whole thing on the pandemic. It created the greatest shift in mindset in human history. Yeah. Billi- billions of people are walking around with PTSD now. And most of them don't even know it. Yeah. Or they don't want to admit it. Okay. In some tiny, small way, this pandemic messed with people's heads. And even if you don't think it did, your marriage, your spirituality, your health, your finances, it doesn't matter. It happened. And what you're seeing now is this huge shift of mindsets of billions of people who are, for lack of a better cliche, 
waking up from the matrix and saying, you know what? Maybe I don't need to spend the rest of my life in that crappy cubicle job. Uh, maybe I should stop letting my emotions be controlled by the media and I should stop. I should start treating people nice again and stop falling into these tribes and all this stuff. So I really, I really do believe that this pandemic at the end of the day will create a shift in society in the way we think in humans' brains that will ultimately end up being a good thing. But I think we're still in the middle of the, the bad effects of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that we're, we're still too close to it yeah. to, to really see, but I, I do think looking back, I mean, you mentioned, uh, especially the workplace. Like I, I think yeah. one of the biggest changes that's going to come out of this is just, it's going to transform the American work life. You know, I mean, we're already already, has. it already, it has. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can, I can tell you several people I know who aren't going back to their office jobs and uh, you know, they're working at home and these companies are realizing, oh, well, we don't really need all this overhead. And also our companies, our employees are way happier working at home. And you know what? We can trust them a little bit to actually do their job without having to hover over them the whole time. Well, you know, look, I do sales for a company that's, I'm a speaker, right? So I do professional speaking. I'm starting to get back into that. I do a lot of virtual stuff. I do sales for a, a company that helps people understand how to become a professional speaker, right? They train them. So I talk to people every single day from all over the world, surgeons, attorneys, CEOs, athletes, Uber drivers, you name it. And you would be amazed at the calls I have from uh, MIT professors who are like, I can't work at this school anymore. Or, you know, not MIT. I'm just making it up like an Ivy League. Yeah. Uh, a surgeon for the last 25 years is like, Healthcare sucks. I don't want to be part of healthcare anymore. Um, a lawyer is like, oh my God, this just, I can't be a, a lawyer any longer. I would like to go out and talk about this or this and change people's lives. This is what's happening, right? This mindset shift with all of these people are like, maybe chasing that money wasn't how I should have spent the last 40 years, right? Maybe my purpose was to really help people, right? Maybe I'd be happier even if I made half the money, if I chased and helped and tried to create an abundance lifestyle for myself and for the world and create an impact on the world. Right. And, and all of this, and, and here's, here's the problem with all this kind of like, it comes off very luxury and yeah, Jim, I wish anyone could do that, but we have bills to pay. Yeah, I get it. I've been there. I, I've been paying my own bills for the last 25 years. Yeah. Nobody, not a single person has helped me. I didn't come from money. My parents didn't give me anything except a college education, but the rest, I did it on my own. Right. So I know you got to pay the bills, but at the end of the day, you know, you really got to stop and think about where you want to move forward in your life. And that's that mindset thing, because Zach, the world literally could end any day. Yeah. I mean, 9-11 was a terrible tragedy. Okay. Real. But the, the reality of 9-11 and that kind of terrorism, that horrible situation that happened was the real only benefit not benefit the really the outcome for most people was heightened security in an airport. Yeah. I mean, 
So, you know, I'm not downplaying it at all. Don't anyone think I'm downplaying that the pandemic and the pandemic hit everybody, race, religion, age, and it hits you across the board, spiritually, financially, mentally. So it's, it's a bigger thing. And it's going to last forever. Yeah, you, you said something. I mean, you said exactly what I was going to say, and I was even going to bring up 9-11. I mean, in our lifetime, we've had all these huge traumatic events happen, you know, 9-11, obviously. Um, I was on the, like, outskirts of Hurricane Katrina and lived through that whole thing. I was living in Mississippi when that happened. I mean, you can name it, but nothing has affected all of us like COVID did. I mean, it affected everybody has a story. <laughs> like literally, we all have a story about some way COVID affected us. And you don't have that for these other events. And that on its own is going to do exactly what you're saying, where it's going to be, it is going to be transformative in good and bad ways. Yeah. And I really feel, feel terrible for our children. You know, I mean, yeah. my daughter grew up, you know, right at 9-11, right? They're in a whole world you know, we, I didn't grow up with that. You know, I grew up in a world in the seventies and the eighties, you know, it was happy, happy, happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, our kids grew up in a school shooting world, a tribalized world, a, a media controlled world, a world with terrorism shootings, uh, COVID. I mean, one thing these kids are going to be is resilient. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big thing to me is that you know, are we're we're just we're we're too it's too, we're too connected now. <laughs> like when we were growing up, it was so easy just to be disconnected and just to be with like your your small group of people and your friends. And now it's just we have too much information at our fingertips. Well, that's that's the joke. It's kind of like the internet. The whole point of the internet was to bring us all together. Yeah. And, and what did we been. find out twenty years later? Is that we all really just don't like each other that much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, I'm I, I kind of I'm kind of glad, though, to see I think some of the I think slowly some people are starting to figure that out and starting to figure out like, oh, maybe I don't have to spend all this time on Facebook and on all these platform stuff that's actually making me pretty unhappy and not super healthy for me, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, no, no, that's a big part of it. And we'll talk about it. a big part of what my show is, is the abuse of technology that we're in right now. Well, that's like my passion thing. So let's talk about, cause like I've, okay. I've I, up until really recently, I mean, I just jumped back on Instagram, but like, I've barely even, I'm honestly even thinking about dipping back out, but I hadn't been on social media since like the beginning of 2019, I think up until recently for that exact reason. Like I'm just, I, I just trying to get as far away from certain types of technology as possible and just be able to disconnect myself a little more. But, um, so like, let's talk about, so like, what do you, what's the, what are you working on now? So, yeah. So basically what happened was in the year after the surgery and the chemo, I kind of just tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I figured out what my superpower was and I came to terms with it. Um, and I, and you know, there's a book that really helped me. It just came out. It's called rise above chaos by a guy named Eric Reem, E R I C K R H E A M. And a couple of the exercises in the book that Eric talked about were really powerful for me. Um, like for example, uh, what's the beast in your life? What's stopping you from accomplishing what you really want to be, right? It's very easy to put that down on some paper and go, well, it's, you know, healthcare. I'm scared to lose my job because of healthcare or yep. situation or fear or money. I mean, those are legitimate concerns, right? 100%. Yep. Then there were exercises like, 
write that letter a year to yourself a year from now where you want to be, which is a really cool exercise to try, you know, a year from now and then and, and lay it all out there. Like a year from now, I want to own a Airbnb in Montana that helps people uh, that is a trout fishery that I have, you know, like what, I, like lay that out, even if it's not, that's realistic. one of your things, isn't it? That's it is. Oh, like, of course it's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it really, that's one of my things that I put in there. You know, I, my, my kids will be doing this. I'll be doing this, you know, and then, and then the other one that was really the most helpful was, you know, what is your, uh, your, your superpower. Okay. And that's where you really got to start doing a lot of thinking is, I figured out in the last 20 years, I'd never really crystallized it until after the pandemic. Whenever I would speak, you see me speak. Whenever I would speak every single time people would come up after me and they'd say the exact same thing, Jim, you got me thinking, thank you. I, my head is spinning. I can't wait to go home and think, and that's my superpower. So then I thought, boy, how do I, um, what am I really interested in helping people think about? And I came up with this idea, which is there are a lot of, we're at a really at a tipping point in the world right now, right? Society, especially here in America, we've gotten to a tipping point of tribalism, fear, anger, confusion, um, po- political nonsense. It didn't used to be this way. Okay. The last five to six years really made it just get accelerated, whatever. I don't want to make this political. What happened was the pandemic lit a match on that gas dumpster fire and made it go through the roof even more. Okay. So what do we have now? We have GPS tracking, ad tracking, oligarchs owning social networks, um, tribalism, fear. It's, it's just at this burning huge level, abuse of technology, of uh, social media networks and just all this stuff. And I thought, man, didn't used to be this way. And I don't know if we can continue this forever in this path, because it seems like we reached kind of that tipping point. And I said, well, I wonder if I can just create content that makes people think about that without being luxury and without being like preachy. Right. So what I did is I came up with a piece of content. I, I have two different shows. I have one called Once Upon a Pandemic, which is a, a pre-recorded show I did in my studio that I'm still working on the second cut of right now. It's about an hour and a half hour long, and it's pre-bits about abusive technology, and it's about everything that happened in our heads over the last two years during COVID, right? The fear, all that stuff. It's funny. It's dramatic. And then I have another piece of content, which is similar to that, which is called the Dad Shoe Diaries, which is an actual uh, theater performance or performance that I would do in front of married couples about life, death, marriage, kids, cancer. And it's funny and it has, you know, so I've got two really, really strong pieces of content that I've just started to finish putting together that I'm really proud of that I'm going to take out on the road this year. And it, it, it's a complete departure from anything I've ever done. It's super raw, super authentic. Um, there's no, one of the things I'm most proud of as a marketer for all those years, I was always trying to think about what's the outcome going to be right. You know, like how many emails can I get or how many Twitter files? Like, I don't care about any of that. 
Yeah. I created this for me. It was my personal vomit out of the last two years of what was in my head. And I think I created something pretty amazing. And I can't wait to show people. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, so you've got, so you said you have two different shows you've, you've written and they're both kind of connected, but they're, I've got all these different bits. Uh, some are more specifically, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the bits I wrote is called wife bot 2022. Okay. So basically I find it absurd of the technology and the AI that we have today, right? Yeah. Like people are getting uh, uh, virtual girlfriends on their phones. Okay. And they're having conversations with some virtual person, probably in China who's snooping their passwords, but they're having relationships. I'm not kidding. No, it's I replica. Yeah. Right. So, so I find this stuff absurd and I like to kind of poke fun at that. So I, I found an, uh, an app. There's a piece of software I found that allows me to write scripts and have an AI person talk back to me. So I made an app called WifeBot 2020. And basically I have a conversation with her and I get in trouble because I say the wrong things and she gets mad at me. And the, the joke is it's, it's, it's an AI and I'm still an asshole and I'm still saying stupid <laughs> stuff to an AI and she's still mad at me, just like my regular wife is mad at me. So it's stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That <laughs> I'll send you the bit after this so you can watch it. It's pretty funny. Please do. Yeah. And I, I, so, uh, how do you, so you said you're going to like, you're going to be taking this out on the road. So like, what, yeah, yeah. so what does that look like? like so, is it so again, write down my dream thing. Yeah. You know, I wrote this originally to be performed in a theater because I, here, here's my thing. All right. I wrote a book 14 years ago called attention, which is about, you got to get people's attention. And then three years ago, I wrote a book called unskippable, which is about, how people don't pay attention anymore. They skip, swipe, skip, swipe, right? So I have this thing. I get annoyed that people don't pay attention to stuff. And the, the reality of the world is this. We have not lost our attention spans. That's a BS argument. We've become really good at deciding what we want to pay attention to. Mm. And the truth of that is because you'll sit down and you'll watch an eight-hour Netflix show without getting up to pee. So don't tell me we lost our attention spans. Our no. brains have just decided what we want to pay attention to. So once you get through, so, so hear me out. So where's the last place in the world, Zach, that you can get somebody's attention without them looking at their phone? Think about it for a second. I'll answer for you. Okay. It's a dark theater. Yeah. Think about it. It's the last place in the world. If the lights are down and there's a yeah. stage and you're, you're not picking up your phone because your phone's going to light up and everyone's going to look, look like an asshole. You look like an asshole. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so I wrote this show because I want to perform it in dark theaters because I want to get inside people's heads for about an hour and a half. And I want to drill these messages into their heads. And I want them to walk out of that theater and go, you know what? He's right. Maybe I should not spend so every single day on Facebook 10 hours a day. Maybe I should stop treating other people like dicks so much. You know, maybe I should not let the media control my fear and my emotions. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And the whole thing's inspired because there, uh, 25 years ago, I saw a show called Blue Man Group before they were big. No. When they played at Astor Place in New York City, before anyone knew who Blue Man Group was, they were playing in a small 80 person 
theater. That show blew me away, blew me away. Um, and that's how I want people to feel walking out of a theater. I want them to go, wow. Right. So that's what I tried to create. The problem is this. Um, and, that, and the other shows that I love were, I don't know if you saw Bo Burnham's inside. I was, I, when you were talking about this, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I didn't so, watch it, but I, I'm familiar enough. You should it. watch it. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. And then another one on Hulu is Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. If you haven't watched that, get okay. Hulu, get the free subscription, watch it. Right. Okay. He's a magician, but he does this whole thing. Here's the problem I thought about when I was trying to figure out how to do these shows. I'm not a comedian like Bo Burnham. I can't sing like Bo Burnham. I can't play music like Bo Burnham. I can't. Uh, I'm not a magician. I'm not a performer like Blue Man Group. And I thought, how do I make a show that's entertaining <laughs> without all that shit? Right. And I think I did it. And I use apps and I hire people like I hired a guy off of Fiverr who I found who's like an amazingly talented musician and rapper who I wrote a song for, I wrote a song. It's called Jim Can't Rap and Jim Can't Sing. And I wrote an entire song and I gave it to him. And he wrote, the, he played the music, rapped the song, sang it, and gave it to me as a music video. And it was like cheap. I was blown away. Like the, the level where we, so that's what it is. It's kind of that kind of, it's super high level, creative, sad, funny, creative stuff. You know, Jay Thor. Oh, I'm excited. Jay Thorne will write music for you for some cryptocurrency. Right, exactly. He'll, he'll write me <laughs> if some you make it an metal. NFT, he'll do it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, one thing I love that you said, I, I, I love it so much because I've been, as I kind of said, I, for the last few years, I've been way into all this technology stuff, just like you. And it's a big passion of mine to read about it and where our society is going and all that. I love how you said, because I 100% agree, we, we don't have less attention span now. No. Like that is, it, it's just people it's are, they just, it, they, they put their attention towards easier things that are uh, consumption, like think, cause consuming is easy and, and there's so much stuff out there to consume that like, whether it's junk or not, like that's, but that's where people have chosen to put their attention. Yeah. You know? And look at, look at your kids. Right. So yeah. I'm 50, right. So I'm gen X, but you know, look at your kids. They don't really pay attention to stuff. Like I got a 20 year old, and a 17 year old. If we go sit down to watch a movie, they're watching in the background. Yeah. That's what people do. Now you go to a baseball game. People are watching it in the background, right? You go to a football, you go to a sporting event. People are watching in the background. The only real places that people really focus in anymore is like at a concert. Even then they got the stupid phone up and they're recording the whole thing. Instead yeah. Of like, in and you're moment. not even going to watch it later, but the, this, but this is, the multitasking of the mindset of where human beings are right now. And it's fine. Watch stuff in the background. I watch everything now with subtitles. Me too. And the reason, and the reason I do that is because I read a study about it years ago that you retain, some people retain more information better. Right. And I do, I love watching with subtitles and college students do it because they get the information better into their brains, probably because they're you know on their phones at the same time. So whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we, we got used to doing it when our daughter was really young <laughs> and we just wanted to have the TV down. And now I'm like, and then I realized I'm like, Oh, I actually do get way more out of this. If I could read right, it you get annoyed if you miss a word now, I'm like, exactly. It's super, super, it's annoying. such an old man thing. My kids are like, turn the, <laughs> turn 
apparently my wife hates it. I'm like, I'm watching it with the subtitles. I don't care. So I, I know like you kind of brought it up. I'm just curious. I know for a while there, um, you know, a couple of years ago, you were really, you were really into a lot of the AI stuff and all that. And I know that you were really interested specifically, I think like in AI voices and things like that, like yeah. is that still something that you're interested in. Well, yeah, but I'm interested in, in using it to create content that pokes fun at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, part a big, uh, I'll give you a couple ideas of some more of the bits in my show. So um, there's a bit I wrote called the three gyms. All right. So I basically came up with the concept that uh, you can send a DNA sample to an app, right. In China and they will clone you. And then you can have conversations with yourself. So I made a bit called the three gyms. It's 25 year old gym. Me currently is 50 year old gym and 75 year old gym. And I literally can have a conversation with them faking through the app. And it's, and I could just, I can use my own voice or I can use apps to create the voices. And it's, it's just stupid, right? It's just, it's stupid. What we're, what we're creating here. Um, So stuff like that. It's, it's, it's just fun to, to, to make, here's another piece I wrote. It's called how to enslave the human race. It's a really dark piece about eight minutes long but it's literally ai people that are fake people talking with fake voices it's not real they're not real i wrote the script i designed the people i put you you would not believe how real it looks but they literally are ai people and they're doing a webinar online teaching humans how they are already enslaving them and here's what they're doing and it goes through the whole thing and it shows them how they can break three of it if they just did this it's really dark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know, after you watch it, you're like, wow, that's really where we're at. That's exactly yeah. where we are. Yeah. It's uh, I, I don't know if people fully grasp just how, I mean, this AI stuff and all, I mean, it's, you mix that in with, you know, all the web 3.0 going on and the yeah. metaverse. And I mean, you're talking about people having the girlfriends on their phone. Well, what, if, and I mean, this is already happening, but on a yes. wider scale, what's it going to be like when, you're in a headset and you're actually talking to somebody, you well, know, and, you know, here's the thing, you know, people think that this metaverse stuff isn't going to happen. Oh, at 100%. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, one of the richest men in the world who owns one of the richest companies in the world is, is quadrupling down. He named his whole company meta. Yeah. He believes that the future of the world, he literally believes that, that the future of the world is you're going to be sitting around in your house with stuff covering your eye, living in a metaverse. Oh, 100%. Just like, and now look, if it could be like Ready Player One, I might be all in, right? Like, yeah, that's kind of cool. If it could be that cool, but if it's going to be like Wii games, forget it, right? So, but, but people are like, ah, it'll never happen. Yeah, okay. Well, this is what's coming, right? I mean, I'm very, so like one of my big, I'm really into the video game industry. And, and it's, I mean, that's already kind of version of the metaverse, like the way people play online games, interact with each other. And the virtual reality is just getting better and better. And it's been getting better and better in gaming. And it's, I mean, eventually it may be like ready player one, you know, I mean, that's going to be pretty cool if it is. Yeah. But there's going to be problems, but like, look at go, go, you go ahead first. I I mean, look, I don't want to turn this into, me old guy railing against what the future might be. I just want to talk about, you know, really where we're at right now. I mean, you know, our kids, Zach, are going to be the ones who are going to be adopting this kind of stuff, you know, 
statistically I'm 50 years old, I'm overweight and I have just had colon cancer. So I probably won't be around as long as, as most people statistically. So my kids and probably their grandkids are going to be the ones who are going to decide whether or not they're going to adopt these types of things moving forward. Um, here, the thing that worries me the most is, you know, the, the kids are so beholden to these, these phones and these devices. That's fine. It's just the way the world is now, but what's going to happen in the future. If those things get taken away, how much control are they going to give back to the government or the world to get their devices back? Right. You know, that's what kind of scares the heck out of me. It's like, we've become so beholden. Now my 17, he's my 17 year old. He's kind of a throwback. He wishes he grew up in the seventies and eighties. So I tell him all the stories. He's like, that would be great. No phones, no helicopter parents. Like, so (laughs) it was definitely a different time. (laughs) Yeah, It was great. It was amazing. And I feel bad. Our kids didn't have that. Yeah, I remember the worst thing for me. Like, I'm 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 a little younger, so I'm, I'm about almost 38, but I still lived in that time where I was able to. You got a go, little bit of that. Yeah, where I was able to just go out and disappear. And I remember, like, I got to the age where the worst thing I had to worry about was like, I remember my mom being like, "Never be more than five minutes away from a payphone in case I right in case I paid you." <laughs> you know like it was like okay you know like but uh, right my dad giving me a, a dime and you know and if he, if he didn't have change the old our old trick was uh call um call uh, uh call the what is it the the call direct not direct i forget 1-800 collect no 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 you call them you call a uh i forget the name of it. you call and you say i want to do a i forget the name of it uh, a pay phone and then they would not accept the charges um, I forget what that's called. It was that was that was one eight hundred collect was like that. Yeah, it was, it was you could that. call and then they, but they would have to get the charges right, and then they yeah. like they would like I would call and they'd say no, don't accept the charges. That means <laughs> that means they needed to come pick me up or something. <laughs> yeah, there were a few of those companies. That was the one when I was growing up that was the big one. But I think there were a few others as well. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's but you you even look back. You know, we were talking earlier about COVID and stuff. I mean. When every everyone was working on Zoom, I mean, in a way, that is kind of like the metaverse, <laughs> you know. Like you just expand that out, and like imagine if it was a few, if all that happened, like I don't know, ten years from now, it would have been exactly the same, but people would have headsets on and they would actually see their coworkers so, at a big desk. So you're right. So there's another piece in my show that's called Anonymous, and basically, I do this whole bit where anonymous comes out and talks to people and shows them how they've been trapped in what I call virtual little boxes. And if you think about it, that's what's happened over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the media, the world was don't go outside, stay on your phone. You're safe. If you listen to us, stay in your virtual little box, buy our pharmaceuticals, buy our goods everything will be fine yep. so my whole it's another dark piece i wrote it's very dystopian you're gonna love yeah you're gonna love this zach it's oh, i know i am yeah but it's it's very you know and then i i like uh, the anonymous guy is like show us that you you are in compliance and then it's like all these people in these zoom meeting pre-recorded uh stock video and they're all like yeah they're screaming and laugh but it's that's what i want you to walk out of the show and go you know what Jim was kind of a dick with this stuff, but he ain't wrong. Yeah. Like this is where we're at right now. 
Yeah. Find the lie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell me the lie. Yeah. What I just showed you. Then again, I, you know, my biggest challenge with creating this content was to make it entertaining as well as instead of just being like luxury and, you know, um, so it's a fine line. So um, as we kind of wrap up here, cause I know you got a hard stop in a little bit um, and I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been, yeah, it's been awesome to catch up, but um, so like uh, I know you said you play, you're, you're going to take this on the road. And I, I should also tell people that um, you are going to be at the author life summit that me and Jay are doing. That is the plan. That's the plan. Yes. Yeah. And uh, tentatively, but <laughs> no, but um, so uh, that's September 10th and 11th in Colorado Springs. So, and uh, we have very limited tickets available for that. So if anyone is interested, go to the authorlife.com slash summit 2022. Um, but um, are you, I know you said you're like one of the shows you're kind of been producing and stuff like, is this going to, are you going to have this online where people can watch it or what, or, or buy it or um, so, yeah, so I've decided I haven't decided how I'm going to release it yet, but here's my thought. Okay. Uh, when I have my good final cut done that I'm happy with, I'm going to premiere it and I'll, oh, and okay. I'll probably make people watch it at like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. And it'll nice. be like, it's not going to be like, watch it when you feel like it, it's going to yeah. be like, here's when it's playing. Yep. Watch it. Turn off the lights, have a couple drinks, relax, watch it or don't. Yeah not going to be Again, like I'll attention. watch it while I'm at the bus station it's not going to yep. be that yeah so that's probably what I'm going to do and then um but I'm, I'm really working on the the dad shoe diaries version of that yeah. which is more of a community thing that I'm going to be taking out to churches and couples groups and that's really a passionate thing for me right now because it's just a warm positive fun message it's got a lot of fun stuff in there um, so yeah, I'm working on both of the things. Zach, I don't know where it's going to go. This is one yeah. of the beautiful things about freeing yourself from trying to accomplish something is just being a creative, yeah. right? This is one of the saddest things about the world that we live in today is that people just can't be creative anymore because they're so beholden to a healthcare or some idealistic or thing that where they got to make so much money and this and that, like that's where society, in my opinion, has gone really, really wrong. If you look back at the, the last 3000 years, right. You know, and you look at patronage and you look at creativity, people didn't have to go to work every single day. Like they could go, you know what? I'm going to be a stonemason. I'm going to be the best one in the damn world. Shakespeare's patron was the one of them was the queen of England. Yep. Right. He, by the way, he wrote uh, three of his most famous plays during that pandemic, which whatever it was, the black plague or whatever it was. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. So, but, but so you, I think you're going to see a huge boost of creativity coming out of this pandemic, just like me too with black plague and all that stuff that happened over the years. But this is the sadness. How many people have not pursued their dreams to just create because they're so worried about paychecks and dollars and, yep. and healthcare, you know, I don't want to get on a soapbox. If we had healthcare for everybody, you know how many people would be like, feel free to just be like, I'm just going to go out and just like do this instead. Yep. Right. Instead of worrying that I'm going to lose my job. So my, I'm encouraging anyone listening to this to basically, if you have something in your head that you always wanted to create now is the time. I don't care if it's a show or a blog post or whatever. What I want you to do is what has freed me over the last couple of years is 
I just said, you know what, I'm just going to create something that I'm passionate about. I don't know if it's going to work, but I made it for me. And, and I don't know if anyone's ever going to like this stuff, Zach, or if it's just going to be something that I did for myself, but at least I did it. And it was a really a creative outlet for me moving forward. Who knows? Maybe some people will notice it and I'll get a show on Netflix and people will like it. I don't know. Maybe not. But you did it for you. And that's what. But that, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just create something. You're, you're a dad. Create something that's, you know, in your heart. Um, and you'll feel better about it. You'll feel good about it. If not now, then when? Till the next variant hits. <laughs> right? Till, yeah. till. Right. I mean, think about that till, yeah. till, till the, some politician tells you that you gotta, you're going to die and you better stay in your house. And you know, like, come on, if not now, when? Well, that's a great place to end, man. See, look, you get, you got people thinking, you got people, you inspired, you, you know, like, yeah, yeah you, you know, you know your place, man. So, well, um, t- tell people, do you have like a place online where people can check this out? Yeah, it's or? just, just my name.com, Jim Kukral, K-U-K-R-A-L. You can sign up for the email list if you want to get notified when I release the show and all that stuff. Uh, my Facebook's private, so don't bother connecting with me. It's just people I'm friends with there. I do. I barely touch Twitter. There's, I don't do anything on Instagram, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm really a social guy. I just put stuff out there sometimes. You're not going to go back on Twitter now that Elon Musk owns it. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm out there. I check it sometimes, but it's like social media for me. It's just to check and see what friends are doing. Yeah, pictures exactly. of their kids, and which is what it should be. But yeah, I have no interest in running a business on social media. Well, awesome, dude. Well, er, yeah, everyone go check out at jimcookrell.com. And again, if you want to um, see him at the Author Life Summit with me and Jay Thorne and J.D. Barker and Becca Simon and a bunch of other awesome people, uh, check out the authorlife.com slash summit 2022. Jim, dude, thank you. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun to talk about. I can't wait to show you what I've put together, Zach. I can't wait to see it, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. To make sure you never miss an episode, hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and consider leaving a review on the show while you're there. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell another creative friend about it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.